Welcome to The Strategist, episode 1059. I'm your host, Annalise Klingbeil. With you, as always, Stephen Carter and Corey Hogan. Good evening, guys. That was some pretty impressive concentration. I tried to distract you, but you were just Do you notice I didn't? I did not look locked at you. Locked in. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's nice. getting better. Guys, before we go any further, before we take one more step, I have to tell you something. Do we care? I went nine for nine in AFL predictions this week. Nine we for care. nine. The Brisbane <laughs> we don't Lions. Care. The answer you is we, we don't care. care. The, the, the Brisbane Lions were the clincher, and I nailed it. It was the first game of the weekend. Boom! Nine for nine. How lo- how long does the season last for again? You told me once, but it's like uh, I've blocked it out. Weeks. Oh 20- wow! And then it goes hmm. to the playoffs. Wow. Hey, so. hey, Stephen. Yeah. Hey, Stephen. Yeah, Corey. Twenty three weeks. That's about the length of wildfire season. Our province is on fire. Listen, how you doing? I'm not going to lie to you. I did not bet on that. That was not something I had. Yeah. Bet on. It, it, You're zero for you, one in wildfire. As you should yeah. know it. Uh, guys, I hope you had good weekends. I got. Do you know what I got this weekend? Some good feedback on our last episode, on the Bob episode. Really. Yeah, people oh, like it. Good what does good feedback yeah. sound like? Because I'm it's, not sure I've heard it. It sounds like, hey, <laughs> I laughed a lot. It was funny. I learned something. I don't know. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Now, I, I heard the, there was lots of laughs. Was that the one that was behind the paywall? So there's people haven't That yet? is behind the paywall. So this is actually a this good is a promotion. great promo. I'm going to allow it. Yeah. 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 People yeah. should sign up for Patreon so they become patri- patrons. Patreoners, yeah. patrons, hey, yeah, and they can also join donors. They can also join Discord, which I haven't been on all weekend, but I assume I assume it's been hopping. Stephen Cor- Carter, is Corey took that what you've been doing. Positions that I had to clarify. You're, you're talking about the picture of the horse, yeah. That whether was terrible. it was wearing pants yeah. or okay, because you took what, a position that basically inferred that horses' legs are the same as people's arms, and that is a terrible position. Terrible. I, uh, you know. If you understood anything about the theory of evolution, you'd be on board with me. Okay, so people can go to Discord and uh, see <laughs> see fights like this in real time with pictures. And they can learn about the election. They can talk about the election. Forget Twitter. Get on the I strategist mean, Discord. Yeah. That's true. I'm not sure um, how much yeah. they're learning. I mean... I assume that the CBC is going to get onto the strategist Discord right away to fill that hole in their hearts from the uh, the Twitter abandonment they've oh, done. Oh, probably. Yeah. Be, hey... Corey, have you noticed they have not come back yet? Yet, yet. Wait, being the operator. when does when does our bet end? Listen, they're the public broadcaster. It's going to take them a while. Even if they decided they were going to go back, uh, like three weeks ago, it's going to be another three. No, but they, they left quickly. We should have put a time limit on our bet. We should have. Yeah, you. I made a big mistake well, there. See, my bet yeah. on AFL was just this weekend, so it was very easy to understand. The okay, we're gonna we're gonna move into our first segment because you're talking about AFL again. <laughs> so, yeah, yet again. Moving on, our first segment is called "One Week Down." Um, guys, it's been a week. A week has passed since Rit Drop Eve. We're it's a only week been into, a week. It has like, been seriously? seven days. Yeah, that's that's Rit time, baby. Oh, uh, we're a week into the Alberta provincial election campaign. I want to get into like how the last seven days have gone. But before we do that, I want to just talk bigger picture here. You guys have both been on several campaigns. Tell me a weekend. What are you focused on? What uh, w- What are you thinking about? What are you doing seven days in knowing that you've got 21 more days to go? Stephen Carter. Well, I'm doing an analysis. I'm doing an analysis of where we are versus where I expected us to be. So there, there's 
two major two major things that you need to evaluate. The first is where you are in the air war. Are you getting the media coverage that you require? Are you getting the uh, the ad placement? How are people responding to those? What are the polls saying? There's you know the media war or the the air war is probably the most. Um, I don't know, maybe the easiest to measure, but at the same time, the hardest to measure. Because you, Carter, have, do you measure it by cutting out clippings and putting them on a wall? No, we don't have time for arts and crafts in my successful <laughs> campaign. But, <laughs> thanks for that that's call. A reference, that's a reference to our last episode for those that was who... That's really uh, a paid wall yeah, reference, okay. yeah. Um, but the, the, the... So you measure the ground game. Most... Mostly you're probably measuring that in, in polling and things like that. Then you have to measure your ground game efficacy. And that's much harder to understand because you've got all these people running around. And you're, in this particular case, you're divided into 87 little campaigns. And 87 little campaigns are each going to have different personalities that are going to be dictating how those campaigns are actually performing. Sometimes those personalities will be dictated by you're in the middle of, you know, but fuck Alberta and you're never going to win a seat or you're absolutely going to win the seat so you don't work very hard uh, or you're in the middle of downtown Calgary and everything is really challenging. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're working super hard. You're, everybody's exhausted. Um, you know, different, different situations, different outcomes. So I'd be wanting to measure those and trying to get some sense of where we're actually at. Because the other thing that's going to happen is that people are going to lie to you. Um, the data that you're going to get you're not even going to believe it yourself. Um, it's so hard to understand where you are in the middle of the campaign. So I like to preset my objective measures for what we're going to see. And then I measure against those objective measures to see whether or not we've actually attained them. Corey, do you agree? Is your strategy similar, same, different? Yeah, I, I'd i like to add maybe a little bit of texture and maybe different emphasis to where Stephen did. But for me, the things that I'm looking at are like you've got your opening move, right? And you're seeing how people react to that opening move. You're seeing the reactions from the media, from the public, from the other party, and you're determining whether things are unfolding as you wanted for sure. But you're also looking at yourself and you're trying to understand um, – Look, campaigns are spinning up all over the province for the NDP, for the UCP, and both the UCP and NDP central campaign teams will be looking at them and saying, is this going as we expect? And not in the sense of like, are these people spinning up their campaigns the way we expect them to? Are they getting volunteers? Are they getting IDs on the doors? Are these things moving? Because I'll tell you something, with 87 campaigns, even if we say only 40 of them for each party are serious campaigns yeah. that you care about, you're going to have a lot that misfire. And so there's a certain, okay, I've got to get in there. I've got to fix problems where there are problems. Maybe I've got a candidate who's really not what I was expecting at the doors. And there's a bit of corrective that needs to happen there. Maybe I've got a campaign team that does not actually seem to be doing anything, or maybe they're just not putting the data in. I, I guess what I'm saying is the first week is a bit of a shakedown period for ground campaign. And it is also a period for the air war to say, is this landing like you're getting your first post first announcement polls coming in the next day or two here, I would imagine in terms of your internals. And so if you're the UCP, is your tax pledge landing? Mm -hmm. If you're the NDP, are your uh, announcements on healthcare primarily uh, so far? And, you know, your overall campaign commitments, the, the four or five, I think they laid out, are they landing and uh, are they resonating? Are they sticking? That's the kind of thing you're looking at at this point. Um, and in some ways, it's kind of like, um, 
reverse Christmas because you're sitting there with dread waiting to see if all of the things that you've been working to build up for so long are are going to hit or miss. And, uh, you know, maybe just to jump in, if you're the UCP, you did your big arena thing, you did your big tax thing, this is supposed to deliver you Calgary. I'm sure they're sweating what the polls look like in the next couple of days. Well, I'm sure the NDP are too. But before we get into that, and thanks, Corey. You always bring texture. He brings good metaphors, Carter. Reverse Christmas. Well, I'm just trying to. A week ago, we were talking about New Year's. Like that. That was some quality comments that he <laughs> had there. I'm confused by Reverse Christmas. Uh, Why? This, this well, it feels like Christmas for me always because it's so damn disappointing. <sighs> Tough life, Carter. I you, see. No, okay. See. On, on that note, before we get into how the UCP and NDP are doing, what are both of your favorite times in that twenty-eight day period? Like, is a weekend nice because you're you're week down, but you still have the hope of three more weeks ahead? Or is the best day like the twenty-seventh day? Like, what, Corey? What, what's your favorite day in a campaign? My favorite day is the twenty-eighth day, the minute the polls are closed, because then I have. First of all, the 28th day in general, because yeah. when you work central campaign and Stephen can attest and we can actually say specifically in 2012, like we're both sitting around our central campaign offices texting each other yeah, because it's over. And we're just like, what are you doing? What do you think it's going to happen? How's it going? Right. And um, and so that's a nice day for central campaign because it's now over mm-hmm. to the E-Day operations that are out. Like your campaign ended basically the morning of the 28th day. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe there's a little photo op of your candidate going and voting and their home riding or some crap like that. But the day, the I mean, the moment the the polls are closed is is like, I don't even care. Like that's the moment of maximum release. I just get so loose and like don't care. Nothing I can do can break this at this point. I've gotten it exactly where it needs to be. That, for me, is my favorite moment of the campaign. Even a campaign that I lose, the minute the polls close is my favorite moment. Carter, what about yours? Yeah, I am I'm. I mean, like I went and saw Pearl Harbor, wow. you know, the Ben Affleck film one one year on election day. Because if you're not if you're not running GOTV, you have nothing yeah, to do. Like, if you're, like, like, like central campaign doesn't have a lot to do. I deliver, you know, election. go and deliver sandwiches to, you know, scrutineers like like you're 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 done. So you become this kind of, um, you know, transactional regular level employee of the campaign anyways i mean the, the your question is what's your favorite day um mm-hmm. you know I, it's hard not to pick election day um but honestly like when you win and this again something Corey's less familiar with but mm-hmm. when you when you win <laughs> that metaphor is bad at winning yeah bad at campaigns yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you, <laughs> i'm sorry Corey. it's so cheap it's so cheap that i keep taking that one it's cheap i feel bad um but the the truth is like it's the day after like the day after when you've won like Fuck. I mean, the day of, it's just like... Well, that's why with, Corey didn't pick yeah, the day it's filled with, Now you're it's, just rubbing wait, it in his I didn't face. Pick, I, no, I didn't pick the day after because the day after is outside <laughs> of the true. campaign. I did say of the, no the 28 rules. days. There's no yeah, rules. I said yeah, the 28 there's days. There's no rules. She gave rules. Yeah. She gave rules right at the oh, start. Yeah. yeah, it's true. You know what my number two is, though? Can I give you a number two? I was going to ask what number... I was going to ask number two. Yeah, give me a number two. Debate night. Debate night is number two. Oh, I hate debate. That is a debate night is is love like, debate night. Oh, debate night and election night are just a bunch of trips of me, from me to the bathroom. Like that's basically <laughs> all, all it is. But no, I mean debate night's terrible because 
you've prepped them, you've given them all the words, and yeah. they're never going to say them. You just mm-hmm. sit there and watch the opportunities go past. And every time I watch the opportunity go past, it it hurts with physical pain. Oh. But you know why I like it? I agree with everything you've said. And I'm sure I wore like a hole in the carpet of that TV studio when I was in the green room in like the last time I was in there, just pacing like a mad. I, I So listeners who don't know me personally, like I pace a lot at the best of times, yeah. at the worst I of l- times. I learned that the first time I met you in person at our live show, Corey. <laughs> you were pacing. <laughs> Stephen, Stephen pacer, Carter man. was writing I his pace. PowerPoint and you were pacing. That's what was happening it's behind the like. scenes. Yeah, that's what I've always done, and and yeah, when when it's like you know during the debate, I'm just I'm going nuts. I'm going out of my skin waiting for my candidate to say the things they won't say. To Stephen's point, but it's also it's the moment of second most relief when you get through the debate if they have not absolutely utterly blown it, oh, right? God. And for me, I guess my favorite campaign moments are when you're out of the woods. Is mm, okay. you know is generally what I look for. Oh, I hated campaign nights. Well, or debate nights. Debate nights are just the worst. Stephen Shapiro and I were doing the uh, Alison Redford debate when her mother had passed. And uh, we, you know, we're sitting in the, the green room on our own. We're somehow wind up in the in the room with all the windows where everybody can literally see us shitting <laughs> ourselves. I don't I don't know that we actually turned the debate on. I'm not sure that we were actually capable of watching that debate because there was so much at stake and it was so unusual to be putting uh, a candidate who just lost their, their, their mother uh, Mm -hmm. through that. Like it was just, Oh, it was a tough day. Tough day. Yeah. That sounds, that sounds rough. A side note on um, what Corey was saying about the candidate photo in 2015, I I went to go vote in Crescent Heights. Corey, you would be familiar, but the good side of Crescent Heights, not your side. And guess guess what? I went to vote in the morning because I was the journalist at the time. I was working election night. Yeah, Jim Prentice lived lived on Crescent Road. And guess guess who was there right when I went? And guess whose dog was in the pictures behind Jim Prentice as he walked in? My dog. What are you doing taking your dog to vote? Dogs can't vote. He needed a walk. That's what you do in Crescent Heights. Yeah. Anyways, um, okay, back back to what Carter was saying about kind of what you're doing a weekend is like, where are we? Where do we want to be? Let's put your your hats on, Carter. Let's say you're looking at the NDP campaign right now. Um, are, are they where they need to be right now? I think the NDP campaign is where they want to be. I think that the, you know, they're, they're, they're pushing out their messaging, their messaging's landing, and they're up against a campaign that is confused uh, and doesn't seem to know what it wants to do. Um, this reminds me an awful lot of the Jeff Davison campaign that we were up against in in uh, the Gondek campaign. What was that, 21? So we kept trying to figure out why Jeff Davidson's campaign was behaving so irrationally. And it it aged me, like, actually, <laughs> I'm 23 years old. Um, <laughs> but it's just, it, it aged me so dramatically because the... You know, trying to figure out what your opponent opponent is doing when they're not acting rationally is exhausting. And I suspect that that's what the NDP are going through right now. You know, why did no one unearth all of these videos of Danielle Smith? And I'm sure we will get to some of these things Mm -hmm. um, later in the podcast. But why did no one unearth these videos when... um, when they were running against her for leader of the UCP, because they probably would have heard her. They happened before, you know, before. 
So making sure that, you know, like now how, who's putting these out? Why are they coming out now? You know, are they helping? Are they hurting? You know, all these things would be very, very painful to go through. Okay. Corey, what, what same question to you, but I guess for UCP or for NDP as well, like where do you think are, are they where they need to be? Is this going as, as expected? Yeah, Stephen, can I ask you a question? Of course. You can what do you play think was the, the host, you know, whatever. What do you think was the most important NDP announcement this week? The most important, I don't care about policy announcements. Well, here is almost the point that I want to make. Earlier when we were talking about this week and the the things and the policies and how they landed, and I said, like, yeah, and the NDP, and they had a few things, and I kind of struggled to get to them. And as I've sat here, I've thought about, like, oh, yeah, there's, like, the mining, the coal mining. I think I saw something about educational assistance and whatnot. And I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty keyed in. I guess what I would say is the first week was really all about Danielle Smith, yeah. for good and for bad, right? For good and for bad. I can't really tell you too much about the NDP specifics. I think there's some danger there, though, right? Because I can actually think of the the one policy that broke through for me this week was the UCP tax reduction. And I wonder how many other Albertans that might be the case for, because that that is actually, it feels kind of substantive and somewhat meaningful there. That said, Danielle Smith has had such a disaster on some other fronts this week, it's hard to give her the week. Yeah. Right. And in fact, maybe the NDP strategy is in part letting, you know, it's like hockey, this, you know, the, the, the line change after the line change. Right. So, you know, who you're up against here might make sense to wait for the second week to do a lot of your big things. If you are the, the NDP or third week even, but I will say this campaign for the NDP and for the UCP right now is going to live or die on Danielle Smith based on the first week. If the next three weeks are like the first week, it is all about Danielle Smith. And that might not be a bad thing for the NDP. At the end of the day, it might be a great thing for the NDP, but it doesn't really feel like it's entirely in their control. And so it feels a little risky, a little uncontrolled if you're the NDP, because the one thing I will say is, well, Danielle Smith had a bad week. She, I mean, she was running the narrative right now. That's that's for damn sure. That's absolutely the case. Yeah, but that's that's campaigning, right? Like sometimes you own the week and you do really badly, and sometimes you own the week and you do really well. But this, to me, they're 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 doing just fine because they they don't need to own the week and carry with policy. I mean, I I don't believe the policy impacts elections very much at all. Anyways, I think that it's direction, personality, story. And I think the story of the week is Danielle Smith hiding and then coming out of hiding um, to deal with the fires. And again, well, I, think and I don't want to be misunderstood. Yeah, I don't want to be misunderstood. I think it was a worse week for Danielle Smith than it was for Rachel Notley. But it's hard not to observe that we're all still orbiting Danielle Smith. Like this is still her universe. And there's some risk in that for sure. So who, who do you think was the winner of the first week? Uh, yeah, I mean, for me, it's less who was the winner and who was the loser. I think Danielle Smith. Uh, well, look, the the wildfire stuff that's that's really ramped up this weekend mm-hmm. has the possibility to retroactively give the week to Danielle Smith mm-hmm. in a funny way. It's a it's always a weird thing talking about these disasters where you know tens of thousands of our fellow Albertans are in really dire straits and dealing with something really terrible. 
But these are big moments that allow people to stand up and show what they're made of if they're the premier. And so this is a this is a chance for Danielle Smith to show that she can be a premier, right? And it did happen in the first week. But when you look at the first five days of that week, yeah, I mean, it's it, it would be very tough to give it to Danielle Smith on points. You know, you had the Pulaski, uh, um verdict. verdict, which stomped on her announcement, which also resulted in her hiding for a couple of days. And then there was a UCP war room announcement that they had to, you know, the, the group that they commissioned to do the numbers, they, you know, told them, no, that's not the numbers. And then they walked it back. And then they're like, maybe it was a different report. And the whole thing was a mess. And this hit on the NDP went horribly awry for the UCP. And ultimately, um, you know, there, there wasn't a lot of good that came out of the week for the UCP. So you, you got to kind of, say that that you know the first five days were a failure for them but I, I think to give the final verdict we need to see what happens in the next couple of days with wildfires carter winners losers this week um the ndp won the ucp lost uh the and not only that i think that the ucp ground game is suffering as well so you know we're, we're spending a lot of time because we can see the air war we can see the air war with a lot more clarity than we can see the ground game uh, but it does not look good for the ground game, uh, especially in the key areas in Calgary and uh, the the donut around um, around Edmonton or the Horseshoe why does or it whatever. why does it not look good? I think because the the number of volunt- like the NDP's volunteer levels seem to be super high. There seems to be a lot of activity. Uh, you, you know, we had. You know, we we talked about the sign launch, uh, you know, a couple episodes ago, and that has not really been met. Um, I think the UCP have met the NDP in large signs, but they have not met the NDP in their smaller signs uh, on private property. And that matters. Uh, private property signs are, I, I believe, more valuable than uh, public signs. And I'm just not seeing that significant swing. Uh, that we would have expected to see from a well-oiled uh, campaign machine. Okay, um, let's do, let's move on and talk about those wildfires. I think I think we need we need to. There's lots to pick apart, so we'll move on to our next segment when natural disaster strikes. Um, so there's things to talk about both locally as it pertains to the campaign, but then also this broader question of like what to do when a natural disaster strikes um, when you're campaigning. So. Almost, I think it's 30,000. It might be more than that now. Albertans have been evacuated from their homes due to several wildfires that are burning across the province. Today, we saw Daniel Smith and Rachel Notley sit down together to discuss the situation. It was photographed and um, posted on social. And then they actually visited with wildfire evacuees together. So, Stephen Carter, let's start with you. What What is the right thing to do um, when you were running for premier and it's, a, it's an election, but you're dealing with sort of this big natural thing out of your control? Don't try and win. Don't try and win using the the situation. Um, You have to do your job. And doing your job may enable you to win. But you cannot try to win. And I think that that's actually how the NDP got themselves in a little bit of trouble today. Uh, Because the NDP said in their you know, their statement and the tweets and such that they would be prepared for Rachel Notley to step into the cabinet room, um, to share her knowledge and to, to be briefed on the situation. And I was afraid that that was going to open the door to Rachel Notley being invited into the cabinet room. Um, you don't want to be anywhere near this thing if it goes well, nor do you want to be anywhere near this thing if it goes poorly. And today she got invited into the cabinet room. Um, you know, the, 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 the UCP 
called the bluff, if you will, invited her in. And I'm not sure that that was in the NDP's overall best interest, but they tried, they, they tried to play politics with it. Like, don't worry, we've got experience in this. And oops-a-daisy, um, now all of a sudden you're in the room. Corey, do you want to talk about, I guess, I guess that experience, and we've talked before about how it's unique that you have someone who was premier and then was in opposition as leader for four years, now running yeah. again for premier. But the 2016 um, Fort McMurray wildfires, like that was the, that was intense. Notley was fairly new into the role. She, she does have experience from that. So I, I don't have a super specific question for you, Corey, but do you want to speak to how that impacts the situation, the fact she has had experience with this? Yeah, well, look, and and the UCP have had experience too. 2019, right after Jason Kenney was sworn in, there were a bunch of wildfires in Alberta, and it got pretty wild. Um, and unfortunately, as a province, we've got a lot of experience with this in the public service, in our political class, Rachel Notley, as much as anybody, because of course, Fort McMurray was really next level stuff. Mm-hmm. I joined the public service in October of 2016, so I wasn't there for Fort McMurray. But it was a cloud over so much mm-hmm. of what happened, so many conversations that occurred, uh, the anxieties people had every time wildfire season came around, the health risks, the, the, the psychological challenges people had who had to deal with that, who were both in the Provincial Operations Center and then, of course, in Fort McMurray. Um, and, you know, there was, it is not an exaggeration, and I'm not trying to be flipped to say people had some pretty, pretty bad PTSD about that particular situation and the long, long hours they had to, they, they held and they did to try to keep this province safe. And so let me start here by saying, these are really tough moments, like really, really tough. I didn't have anything on my watch that was like Fort McMurray. I, you know, I had some bad wildfire seasons when I was there, but nothing like Fort McMurray. And I still feel that I'm wrapped up in some of that and get the anxiety about it because you do forget how life or death government can be sometimes. Mm -hmm. And these are quite clarifying moments when you have to deal with something like a wildfire. The, uh, the simple reality of it is that experience matters a lot too, because you do spend an awful lot of time fumbling around at the start, trying to say, okay, what do we need to do? How do we do this? And it's very useful to have people who remember how it was done last time, even if it's them kind of racking their brain and being apocryphal and saying, we tried that. We tried that for a day. It didn't work, right? Maybe it would work this time, maybe not. But like, let's at least be aware of where we were previously and let's make sure it can bring forward. So, you know, Stephen, I look at it a little less cynically than you. I actually believe, especially based on the experience that she went through in 2016 and some of the experiences after that Rachel Notley was sincerely offering her help on these particular wildfire fronts. You got to keep in mind the regions it's threatening. That's her, that's her home region. She was premier of this province too. She cares about these particular matters. And one of the funny things that I hope we get to unpack a bit is at these really sharp moments where this matters, like this matters, this is life or death. And on like timelines of hours and days, not on like, yeah, you screw up the healthcare system. We're all a little bit in trouble in 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, right? Yeah, screw up the education system. We could, we could wreck everything, right? With the next generation of citizens in 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. This is hours and days, right? It's so interesting to me to see politicians actually behave like I kind of would want them to behave any other time. Like the way that Danielle Smith and Rachel Notley, yeah, with petty jabs on the side, but the way Rachel, Rachel, Rachel Smith and Daniel <laughs> Notley, I almost say, the way Danielle Smith and Rachel Notley 
are trying to almost out reasonable each other and be like, no, let me help. No, I promise to keep, please, I'll take your help. And I promise to keep you engaged. Oh, please do keep me engaged. And I'm also welcome. I mean, you know, any questions you have at any time. And I really want to assist on these things. This is a better kind of politics. And I, I oh. you know, I'm sorry for all of us. It takes moments like this to get no. it out. But, um, you know, this is this is a weird one, Carter. Because of course, it's also happening during an election. You're shaking your head. Yeah, it's it, you know, well, how many episodes ago was it when we were talking about you just you have to win? You know, this this is a huge moment in this election, and um, you know, this isn't the time to say no. Really, I really do want to help. This is the time to say, I you know, how do I make sure that this situation doesn't spin out of control on me, and I wind up losing this election because Danielle Smith and I actually looked like we could work together for a moment, and the. Um, the reluctant UCP voters who we've spoken about so many times say, you know what? Danielle really showed her maturity. She really showed her maturity yeah. on this. I'm and, and she reached out to Rachel and I think this, this could work when it really gets to be crisis. Like we didn't have any crisis, you know, around COVID, you know, or anything like that, you know, or Danielle Smith has proven that she has no capacity to deal with a real crisis. And, and, Unfortunately, a real crisis is hitting now, and and uh, Rachel Notley offered to help. And I just don't. I mean, I think that you can. I just don't think this is the time to be bailing out um, Danielle Smith in any way, shape, or form. I, I just really I, do not like it. I mean, fuck. I I couldn't disagree with you more. Oh. I mean, I get I get your political point, and I actually don't think this is it's a political wrong. podcast. This is probably though, right? just. This is probably something that is going to on net have you know it is if danielle smith acts like a premier she's gonna she's gonna benefit from this right and obviously rachel notley helping her act like a premier is then going to be her political disadvantage but are there not like certain no. moments where we should raise above listen okay let me put it this way y- your answer is pretty flip pretty quick but what if it costs somebody their life? What if it cost a family their life? You have to think. What if they couldn't evacuate properly? You, because you have a lim- You have spoken about. You have already spoken about how these things come at a relatively frequent basis. Uh, in my experience, we had a, a fire in Lethbridge. We had, uh, you know, we there are fires everywhere. We were rebuilding Slave Lake because um, we lost Slave Lake to a fire. And you know what? We're going to have so many more fires. We're going to have so much more catastrophe because Danielle Smith will not recognize that there's a climate emergency. She is ignoring the fact that there's a climate emergency. And as a, as a re- direct result, more lives are going to be lost. So yeah, okay, we may lose one person who may in this situation fall victim to Danielle Smith's poor leadership. But that's on Danielle Smith, not on Rachel Notley. So if you want to win, and and you know what? I'd prefer winning to losing. Call me crazy. And if you think that this is important, uh, as in this is the, you know, we have to ensure that we have uh, a functioning democracy with the capacity to recognize real issues when real issues develop. This is a woman who has ignored the COVID crisis. This is a woman who um, is ignoring the climate crisis. This isn't the time to sit sit back and say, well, I'm happy that it was her turn to govern this week. This is the time to say, fuck this. We have to make sure that we're the ones in government because this shit's getting real. I mean, the ends justify the means, said every tyrant ever. Oh my God, you're making me a tyrant on this discussion? 
come on, man. This is this is a moment, a moment. No. This should be a moment of clarity for this people. This is they a moment know of clarity. What the right and the wrong Daniel thing Smith to do win at this particular moment is. This is the most clear I can be. If Danielle Smith wins, there are more fires. There are more uh, floods. There are more climate catastrophes. We should be talking about how, with increasing frequency, this is occurring, and the insurance industry is going to start writing off Alberta, not protecting us from floods, not protecting us from fires. We will be Florida, where the government has to be the insurance industry. We will be there. And the only way that we can stop this right now is to say that there are people who can lead and there is Danielle Smith. And those two things are different. Corey, I really just want to land you for a moment on you saying you're willing to accept a few people dying if it keeps us from having to have government insurance. No, that, that is, is not, fundamentally oh my what you just God, Did you actually you, listen, Danielle? That's not what I said. What I said was that we're going to have more and more of these incidents. You know this. I'm not telling you something you don't know. More okay, and more times this is going to happen. On that front, when is the time to make that point and who should be making it? As to Corey's point, people are evacuated and lives are at risk. No one should be talking about it right now because no one wants to hear it. You got to get elected because getting elected matters and good leadership matters. So, so we're going to just talk about this issue, which you consider so, and I agree, this is an existential issue. I couldn't agree. agree more strongly. Climate change is an important issue. Your argument is this is not an issue we should talk about during the election. You know what? I'm Kim Campbelling this. The election is no time to talk about no, the issue. No, you're Danielle Smith in this. No, I, doesn't want to talk about am, CPP, doesn't want to talk I about an Alberta about police force. Issues. I want to talk about the okay, issues but, that matter. But, but I want Carter, to talk about health care, education, things that people care about. And these fires may push everybody's climate change awareness up, but they probably won't. You know how I know that? Because we lost Slave Lake. BC lost a town last year. We lost four parts of Fort McMurray. We almost lost, lost Lethbridge. There's a ton of fucking places that are going to burn up this year. And uh, we, because our economic future are t- is tied up in it, are going to be reluctant to see it. And I don't think you should campaign on things that aren't going to get you elected. Call me a Philistine if you wish. But that is what <laughs> you should try not to do. You should try. I mean, and, and maybe this is why you're not so good at this. But you should try to campaign on issues that people want you to campaign on. Uh, you know, Annalise, if you want to do a hard pivot to Danielle Smith's comments about an Alberta police force being an issue for down the road, this would be like a great <laughs> oh <my laughs> right here. God. Well, Look, here's... No, go ahead, Corey. You've got things to yeah. say. Go ahead. I... I fucking understand what you're saying about the politics of it, okay? But at the end of the day, you got to be a human being, too. And if you can't accept my human being argument, at least accept this political one. The risk of Rachel Notley looking like she was just willing to let Daniel Smith fall on her face, I think is also fairly significant. No. You have to look like you're invested in the success of this province. You know why? Because people actually want a human being. And I think there are ways that Rachel Notley can both... They do not can both help help make sure. Carter, t- tell us about your experience with <laughs> yeah, people I actually, not I'm, wanting human beings. All right. Yeah, let's I, hear I'm, this. I'm intrigued, but let me just say this: there is a way that Rachel Notley can help with the fire and win this election. Those two are not mutually exclusive. Oh God, you're making uh, it harder. Carter, you're making human it harder. Beings. Tell us. People want so, they want a story. They don't want they don't want they don't want character. They want celebrity. They want like look around us. Look at look, look at Donald Trump. 
Donald Trump's not a fucking human being. We all know that Donald Trump's not a human being. And he's one, he, he just came out today. The polls have him in first ahead of Joe Biden while he's indicted, while he's facing a civil rape trial, while he's potentially facing all, all these other charges. People, people are fucking nuts. People don't even know what they want, but all they know for sure is that they'd rather have uh, drama and lunacy than, than sane government. So if you want to go out on a sane government, I mean, the Alberta party used to do this. What we need in Alberta is a, is a sales tax. I agree. We do need a sales tax. When's the time to talk about it? Not during a campaign. Turns out that's really difficult to campaign on. You shouldn't be campaigning on stuff that's stupid. There, I said it. <laughs> All right. Okay. 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 Uh, let's move on to our next segment. Well, I can't believe you're moving on to the next segment like I was well, wrong. Like I've said no. something offensive. No, you, you haven't. There's the, you're damn you, right you two I have, haven't. I've you two right. have very, you have very different and interesting views. But I just, uh, you're, <laughs> <laughs> you're, uh, your point. You, you had that passionate speech about climate change in the future damn and this right. and that, and then you're like, but no, we can never talk about this. Not never. We can't talk about it during a campaign. I mean, I think as soon as you win, you yeah. But if, but if, but if Smith wins, then when do we talk about it? If Smith wins, we'll never talk about it. That's exactly. the fucking point. Don't. What? What? Where? Where, where, where are we miss? Where are we not connecting? <laughs> okay. Oh God. Our okay. next segment. Our next segment. Speaking of the Alberta party, our next segment is called "There's a New Party in Town." Oh. Uh, move over, Alberta party. Move over, Alberta Liberals. Move over, Greens. There's a new party in town, and so far they have the third most candidates running in this election after the UCP and NDP, which both have 87. Um, as Dave Berta reported, good old Dave, the Wild Rose Loyalty Coalition was recognized as a political party just last week. And then this weekend, they registered 54 candidates across Alberta. Uh, the party was formed by Paul Hinman, a former Wild Rose MLA, and the Wild Rose leader before Smith was leader of the Wild Rose. What do you guys think? Will this party make a dent? Corey Hogan. What what are your I, thoughts on their names a mouthful? What are your thoughts on the Wild Rose Loyalty Coalition? I think the Wild Rose Wild Rose Loyalty Coalition is unlikely to make much of a dent because of the areas it's decided to run. When I look at where those fifty three candidates are, they seem to be in rural Alberta and in Edmonton. I think there's a certain awareness that they they cannot if they if they want to maintain and build a coalition longer term uh, cost the UCP the election. And so almost by design, it looks like they're not going to affect this election. They want to be able to have a showing in writings that the UCP would otherwise run up the board 70, 80 percent of the vote in some areas. And by the way, for those not in Alberta, maybe not an exaggeration. You know, Mm -hmm. it's quite possible that these are the percents they're getting. And so, no, I don't think they're going to have an effect. They're certainly not going to be invited to any debates I, I mean, as I say that, I'm now wondering, like, I wonder if they polled at 10% instantly, if they'd be invited to a debate. But no, they're <laughs> not going to be invited to any debates. And uh, I d- actually don't think they're going to get a very high percent of the vote as a result. Like, they're designed to not actually have a shot. Stephen Carter, do you agree with Corey Hogan this time? Yeah, I mean, there's no such thing as vote split. They they will have virtually <laughs> no impact. What are you doing? Corey, like- Corey actually made my case that there's no such thing as vote, vote split. And uh, they're gonna, they don't, will not have any impact. They are not relevant. They so, might even be less be relevant clear, than the Alberta Party, but I don't think that that's to possible. To be clear, 
Yeah. What I said is they are aware of vote split, which is why they are not running in certain geography. No, and you what I see heard. this as evidence that's not of what me. I heard. Okay. What I heard that's was okay. can you go were back agreeing with me that there's no such thing as vote split. All right. Yeah. What? Lori's going to be that's pissed. Okay. Lori thinks there is, and she's going to have some. You're going to have some splaining when you get home. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. It, let's let's talk about the like starting a new party. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. What's what's your advice? What's the strategy of starting a new a new party? And is it coming out with a bang like this, being like, hey, we registered a week ago and now here's our 54 candidates. Does it's that make actually one of the easiest ways. It's one of the easiest ways to register a party. I can't remember the exact guidelines, yeah, you Stephen. To, you might you have, have a better have, sense. Uh, 50%, oh, we don't need the exact. 50% but like candidates or something like that. And yeah, but the candidate threshold is the easiest one because otherwise it's go get a ton of signatures across the province. So yeah, the candidate why the hell candidate not? or sitting MLAs are the two easiest ways to get yeah. yourself uh, registered. So this is the easiest way, and yeah, this is the way to do it because you're making a big splash. And this is really 50 people putting their name on a ballot. You don't need to live there. You just you physically choose where you're going to put your 50 candidates, and it's 50 people sitting in a. Uh, Sitting in a barn somewhere talking about how how uh, yeah. you remember that time when Corey Hogan didn't win the uh, Glenmore nomination, and the Liberals gave away the wow, seat deep to deep cut, deep cut. <laughs> liberals give away the seat to uh, Paul Hinman, and then Danielle Smith wins the leadership like a week later, and politics is fucked forever in Alberta. And you know whose fault it is? It is a deep cut, Corey it's Hogan. My fault. <laughs> yeah. So for for the uninitiated, and I hope that's all of you. There's this no is way that this cut. is uninitiated. Yeah. Everybody's uninitiated. Like Vincent's listening. In 09, in 09, I ran for a Liberal Party nomination in Calgary-Glenmore. There was a by-election that was going to happen. I lost it by like five votes. It was super close. And, and there were like a lot of votes because it was a time when the Liberals were the opposition. It seemed yeah. like it was a potential Liberal gain. The conservatives uh, came in third. They were the incumbents. They came in third. Wild Rose beat the liberals by like 100 votes, 200 votes. Minimal. Super it was close almost nothing. Yeah. At the end of it. Yeah, it was very, very close. And so that's the sliding doors. Hey, man, if I had found five more people who would have voted for me instead of the You other know who didn't vote for you? Who? Zane or I. <laughs> that's <laughs> it's hurtful, hey? You, you don't live in Glenmore. Well, we could have. Yeah. We could have at that time. I don't know. We could have <laughs> made it work. I didn't know that. I didn't know that you ran for, uh, for a liberal See, This is why I'm here. Election no, we, all make mistakes. we all make oh, mistakes. Think about I ran if, for the nomination. Yeah, for the nomination. For the nomination. But and if he'd won, they, he would have yeah. won the election, guaranteed. Because yeah. Avalon ran a terrible campaign. And Corey then never you... Carter, you wouldn't be here with your best buds, Corey Hogan, debating climate change. Yeah, you'd right? be my chief of staff and I'd be premier. Exactly. <laughs> this alternative yeah. universe works out way better for me, I can assure you. <sighs> uh, what a okay, ba- back to the uh, the party stuff. Okay, strategy of starting a party, you told me, super easy. What about when a party should die? Like, when, when should you say, oh, hey... God. <laughs> We've given it our try, and we're not going to do this for another election. Like it's let's let's close doors. Let's let's wrap this up. When when should that happen? <laughs> that is a great question. I wish we could find a metric for it because there are so many parties that are propped up just by stubbornness. People who don't want to say it didn't work. You know, they're just going to give it another shot. And there should be like a metric, which is like the number of people who naturally call you or something. I don't know what it is, but we should create this metric and say, hey, you know, the metric I always use, but it's like an impossible one to kind of quantify on the other side is 
if tomorrow we were all struck dumb and none of us knew any political parties, political parties didn't exist and we had to create them again, would anybody think to create your political party? And if the answer is no, your political party serves no purpose and should not exist. That's that's kind of threshold one. But there's also kind of a popular support. And and maybe it's like, is your volunteer grace base growing or shrinking? What's keeping it alive? If you took out, okay, here's one for you on the off the dome here. If you took out five key volunteers from this political party, would it stop existing? Oh my god. And oh, that's the a good is one. Yes. If the answer is yes, it should not exist. You that think is five's so the good. number? I think five is the number. I think that I think five might even be generous. Three people have kept the Alberta Liberals alive over the last yeah. decade. Like it like Corey leaves three people have kept the liberals alive. It, it really has been a, such a tremendously small number of people. And in the last four years since David Kahn left, it's, it might even be smaller than that. Um, yeah. This is, you know, uh, the Alberta party is like one real candidate away from being irrelevant. Um, you know, the, the, and, and don't even get me started on the smaller parties. There was a guy, uh, the, the, the Paul Hinman of the past was Thorkelstein Thor. Do you remember Randy Thor? Thorstein Thor, yeah. yeah, yeah, and he ran like he for leader of like he, the Greens and like mm. yeah, right. He'd made yeah, and he exactly made and going. created. I'll I'll get corrected in the Discord. Uh, if you're not a Discord member, you can be just by joining our Patreon. Um, <laughs> that was good. <laughs> you just again, such an elegant, good, yeah. natural, really natural sale, sale right there. Um, yeah. But the you know he created all these parties that then failed and. At least he let them fail. Uh, some of these middle parties, um, they just need to go away. I mean, and you you don't, it, it, it can be a little bit like art. You don't necessarily need to have uh, a key metric to say this is the metric, but you certainly should know it when you see it. And and I'm looking around and I'm like, that one and that one and that one and that one should all go away now. Um, I mean, keep in but mind, you, you the Alberta do, Party... You do need a metric if, as you're saying, there's ones that should go away that still exist. Yeah, but you know what? People... I mean, it's like nonprofits, right? How many nonprofits are out there that barely survive each year, but they are kept alive by a founder or two or three people or whatever, um, and that's not serving their mandate, right? They, but the, their mandate at some point becomes survival. And that's what they think their actual mandate is. It's not. Your mandate is supposed to be to serve the community, not just simply yeah. survive. And the same with you political know, parties. With political parties, there's a very organic, I think, solution to this problem, which is we should just make it that parties need to re-register using the exact same rules as registering every three years or something to that effect, right? Because as long as you continue doing your filings, as long as you run like one candidate, mm -hmm. you will continue to be registered as a political party. But maybe every three years you should show, yes, I have run 50 candidates in the last election, or yes, I can go get 6,000 signatures again, or 8,000 or whatever it is. It's, I think it's a percent. I can't remember what it is, Steve. Yeah. But that I think that's a bar that for sure the Alberta Liberal Party would fail right now. And I think it's a bar that probably the Alberta Party would fail. Carter, yeah, no, do you agree sure. with that? Re-register every three years? Is that the I think answer? that re-registering is good because it doesn't really cost you anything. Re-registering is just a simple exercise in volunteer uh, commitment and volunteer management. So, yeah, I think that that's good. I, I don't think you want to put a financial threshold on democracy, um, but I do think you need to say a party is a collection of individuals who can achieve things. And if you can't achieve them, then really are you a party? 
Okay, let's leave that there and move on to our lightning round. Already? Um, yeah, 47 minutes in. No, but you had another topic that you just skipped and just pushed into the... No, I didn't. I did, I did three topics. That's that's. I did three segments. That's a lot. What a twist. Lately, yeah. right? You guys got me into that like one, two segment thing that I didn't love. Um, you did lightning love- round... I mean, no, it was good. You like past, being here with the us. The past few right? episodes have been you like, good. You yeah, like it love more it. than you thought you would. You can tell everybody. <laughs> more it's than okay. I thought I would. Yeah, I mean, you came in thinking, mean? well, I'll give this a try. At least they're paying me. Uh, <laughs> I could use some extra cash. Car- right? Carter Carter gave me a call and then I said, well, I don't listen to the podcast. Do I, 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 could, I could give this a try. Here we are. That was yeah. a few months ago. I still um, don't listen to the podcast, which is even more upsetting now. <laughs> People around me listen to the podcast, <laughs> Carter. Um, I'm, I'm a busy gal. Lightning round. There's a video circulating today. Uh, it was just posted early this evening. It's a clip from a podcast that Daniel Smith did in November 2021. Um, she talks about the Netflix series, How to Become a Tyrant. And then she equates the 75% of the public who got vaccinated to those who followed Hitler. Uh, it's it's making the rounds, as I say, it was just posted Ooh. this evening and is getting a lot of views and a lot of reaction. Stephen Carter, you're rubbing your eyes. What? Let, let's say you're advising the UCP. Uh, right now it's Sunday night, Monday, and I'm thinking mainstream media will hopefully pick this up. Uh, what what do you tell the UCP to do? Oh my God! <laughs> what? You tell me, I feel like I want to read round? you on this episode. Like this might have changed some of my views about this. Is the lightning Jesus. round. You know what I think? If, if I'm if I'm the UCP, I'm telling Danielle Smith that the the wildfire is the only issue right now, and she has to stay in the command center uh, where she is essentially um, unable to address political questions of the type. Uh, that have been raised by this video. I mean, if I'm advising her, I think that that's really the only place you go. I mean, Corey, you, you got any better ideas, bud, buddy, pal, <laughs> but of mine, I told you, well, I, I told your Avalon Roberts story. Come on, buddy. The, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, look, that's, that's fucking rough. Holy shit. Um, the Velgy rule comes to mind immediately. Yeah. Immediately, yeah. Uh, What's the Velgy yeah. rule? So, the Velgy rule, Zane Velgy, uh, emphatically wants you to know it is not named after him because it's something that he's done or would do, but because he coined it, which I think is, you know, bad marketing. Very bad him. marketing. Because the rule is your political career is over the minute you have to say the phrase, I have always been a friend of the Jewish people. <laughs> because that means you've done something mm-hmm. that forces you to have to go in oh. and really rearticulate, you know, your commitment to uh, the Jewish, to the Jewish people. So... Uh, that's, I mean, that's really bad. I I mean, I don't know if you guys know this. It was in all the newspapers in the 40s. Hitler was a bad dude. What? And to suggest oh. that the 75%, the vast majority of people who got vaccinated are the kind of people that would follow Adolf Hitler, you know, arguably history's greatest monster, if not like top three, you know, like there's, there's been some, yeah. There's been some bad yeah. people out there, right? Um. That's that's not great. That's really not great. So um, okay, you, I'll be interested to see where they go with this one. Okay, hang on. Can I jump in here? Yeah, you can jump in. You've simply re-articulated the problem. I understood the problem. 
Annalise asked us a specific question, and I'd like your input is... on the actual question. Well, I, I asked you, you okay. a specific. I asked you a specific question, Carter, and then you you asked it to Corey. Which no, was... but I answered the question, which was stay right. behind. I, you know, and in, in well, stay I, in the wild. Maybe path. I had a different okay, question for Corey. Do you know what? Let's talk this out. Let's let's do this. Let's do this as though we were actually in the room with Danielle Smith processing this for the first okay, time. Okay, hang on. Can I be? Okay. Can I, Annalise or Dan- Danielle Smith? Okay, I'm going to be Rob Anderson. Yeah. Okay, okay, Corey, that means okay. you have to be Marshall Smith. Okay. Okay. All right. I'm going to go first. I, I, I say I'm a lot. Definitely not going to. I'm not going to play roles. I'm not going to play your dumb game. But it, what I am going to do is I'm going to say. Let's throw some solutions on the table here. Like one is the mea culpa, right? The you know, you just say like I fucked up. That was a really stupid thing to say. You know what? I was really mad about vaccines. I felt they were coercive. We but that was clearly way too Let far. me tell you something, Marshall. We learned in 2012 that a quick apology doesn't necessarily take us there. In 2012, if Danielle Smith had quickly apologized, she'd probably have been pre. Now that's revisionist history, Mar- Marshall. I mean, I was there. <laughs> <laughs> can you can you play this straight for a minute? What do you think? Like, is that the mea culpa? You, you can't do this mea culpa because then you mea culpa ends with, "I've always been a friend of the Jewish people." And what does the Velji rule teach us? If nothing else, that you can't say that. You can't do that. <laughs> That is a terribly named rule, but yeah, you can't do that. Well, yeah, bad, bad communications there, Zane. Yeah, it's not it's, great, it's Zane. Quite conf- it's quite confusing. No, but it's 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 succinct and it's insightful. We agree on that. It needs a better name. A side note: Are you guys surprised that this is just? And I think you referenced it earlier, Carter. Like that we're eight days, seven days into the campaign, and we're just this is just coming out now. Could you imagine being Raj and Sonny? who actually ran a campaign against Danielle Smith to become the premier of Alberta, sitting there as a candidate mm-hmm. right now for a woman who said this? Like, holy like, shit. But why, why, why was it not found? Do you, th- do you think that's, do you think that's a statement on how, but is that also a statement on how many things Daniel Smith has been out there speaking and saying and doing, Corey? Okay, but if you're going to say, okay, that might have been a challenge 10 years ago, 20 years ago, yeah. when you had to go find tapes and stuff. But at this point, it's all podcasts, it's digital records. You can get a voice to text transcription in like a minute. You can do that for all of them, create a batch file. This is an afternoon task for an intern. And then you just do Command F Hitler <laughs> and see what comes up, right? Like th- this should not have been missed if this was in a podcast. Hang on. Uh, Are you saying to me, that what we say on this podcast could easily come back to haunt us. <laughs> well, I was going to ask when when Corey decides to run again for politics, who who is tasked with listening to one thousand fifty nine hour long episodes? Like that's that's a full time job. When we started, yeah. we did half hour episodes. Oh, so I, I, w- I would. They're know. a little shorter, Carter. and there were commercials in yeah. there too. You guys used to do commercials. With the Zoom exclusive. Well, no, it was on radio. Well, and then, yeah. yeah the oh. Zoom. I'm talking radio. Oh, I'm yeah. talking you're talking radio. about back. Okay. Yeah. This is early days. Yeah. Early days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Early, early days. Um, okay, is there, I know this is lightning round, but that was a, that was a meaty topic. That is there anything unbelievable else? unbelievable for lightning round. That's why I said I thought you had one more topic in you. Okay. Is there, is, so I threw yeah, out, we, like, a mea culpa. Yours is hide. You're saying you can just hide and hope this blows over? Like, let's no, just I'm find I'm literally hoping that something burns down. Hide under And it. that I get to, you know, rescue the people. Like I'm hoping for a superhero exit on this. Like there's almost no yeah, way but, to but deal Carter, with it. But Carter, play play that out. 
superhero X, like X said, and then there's still there's still a debate. There's still more days of the campaign. You think it just disappears? Okay, can I be honest for a second? Can I can I just drop the facade here for a sec? Okay, here's the honest truth. You you are asking me a question to which I do not have an answer. There is literally no good strategy for, hey, why did you call all the Albertans Nazi sympathizers? And well, not all of them, 75% of them. How do we get can out of this? Can I ask those? Do we think people will care? Maybe we should start there. Maybe That's people why I'm will thinking disrupt. to hide. That's why will I'm thinking care? hide. Just hide? Well, but th- but I think that speaks to this point about it not being found is if if you have someone who has said a lot of crazy shit and she says, oh, I have changed my mind and this and that and I speak and I'm a broadcaster and I'm a performer. Like, does it, w- will this be a front page news tomorrow? Do we think? Yes. Because you know what? Corey and I have performed quite a bit. Um, we have been like, as you mentioned, we're like at a thousand hours of content so far. Corey, how many times have you inadvertently compared the people <laughs> of Alberta to Hitler to Nazis? Uh, uh, zero, Stephen. And the only times you've done it have been advertently. Yeah, not when I chose to. So. When I chose to. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah, this is yeah. this is a bad outcome for a very bad politician. You know, I I thought then we all. We have said on this podcast that we like Danielle, but she has lost her fucking mind. Her, she is, she's gone. I don't know. I don't know what causes someone to take that serious tone. And this is the other thing. Like the tone on it is like insane. I haven't did, seen did it. Did you watch oh the whole episode, God. Carter? Or just like I didn't watch the whole, I just saw the clip and the tone of how, how did we wind up in this position? Corey, Corey, tell me. You know, how did we wind up the position where, you know, people say, how do people follow Nazis? And here I am watching now as these people follow uh, these people who want to save their lives. And I think this is how it starts. This is how we become Nazis. You know, like, fuck me. Like, how the how do how do those words escape someone's mouth? How how does this happen? I do not understand. Okay, let's well let's leave that one there because I uh, will record in another day, and I'm sure there will be a lot. We can we can have a bigger non-lighting round segment on this, Carter. Oh, good. Um, you can bring it back, and you can ask me how to get her out of it again because that'd be fantastic. Well, well, you got two days to think okay. about it. Yeah. It's fine. Thanks, make, guys. Make a PowerPoint, Stephen Carter. <laughs> you know what? I had to make a PowerPoint the other day for work, and I was so traumatized by your comments. <laughs> I, I was trying to find that AI co-pilot thing and see if I qualified for it so that it could actually make my PowerPoint for me. Could, don't, don't have it yet. So I just, you know, sorry to my client. Oopsies. <laughs> okay, next, next, uh, next question. Last lightning round question. Uh, Corey Hogan, if you were to start a political party, what are you calling it? What is the name of your political party? Uh, I think it's the Coalition for the Future of Alberta. God, that just made me so sleepy. <laughs> well, it's the, the, the joke, the joke, Stephen, the joke <laughs> is that's what CAC is in Quebec. Oh. Coalition for the Future of Quebec. Yeah. That was a really insider. Yeah. Okay. It's really yeah. good. <laughs> it requires you to speak more than one language to get the joke. Super insider. Stephen Carter, what would you name your political party? 
No, what Corey just said was really good. I'd probably do that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We're going to leave it there. That's a wrap on episode 1059 of The Strategist. My name is Annalise Klingbeil. With you, as always, Stephen Carter, Corey Hogan. Bye.